Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with platinum-selling Canadian recording artist Kaiza. Kaiza's debut album, 2014, Sound of a Woman, sold over a million copies and won her two Juno Awards, Canada's version of the Grammys. Canadian music artist Sarah Wickett makes her first appearance on our show talking about her rising career and single, Did It For Me. We also have new music on the way from Radio Club, Live Lounge All-Stars, and New Kids on the Block. Kaiza is back with new music and an album on the way, and we are thrilled to welcome her back to The Kelly Alexander Show. Kaiza, thanks so much for hanging out. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, I have to start off with a heavy-hitting question right off the bat, because from the last time I spoke to you, this had not happened. So I know that you went through a, a terrible car accident a few years ago, and I feel like that is, um, from everything I've read, uh, that it's definitely shaped how you are now as an artist and even as a person. So I'm just wondering if you can explain to our audience kind of what happened and, and the road to recovery. Yeah, I mean, it was life-changing. I was in an Uber in Toronto, actually. And I was just in the back seat, and we went. We had the green light, and all of a sudden, a taxi ran a red light and T-boned us, and just plowed us off the road. And I sustained what's called a traumatic brain injury, and it it literally completely derailed not only my career but my life as a whole. I was essentially <laughs> talking about being in isolation. Now I've been in isolation for almost well over two and a half years now, and going on three years. So uh, people have been calling me the isolation expert, um, yeah. but <laughs> um, it, it, I essentially just lying in a dark room, unable to do essentially anything. Wow. And my whole life, my, my, my job became healing. Um, I couldn't do anything else. Now, um, yeah, keep going. Yeah, go ahead. So no, go ahead. All my momentum was stopped, halted. And coming back from that, I can't even imagine, because I know I had, a, I had a neck injury in 2013 where I would look at somebody and they would be moving even though they weren't. It was like a, a type of vertigo, but not exactly. And it kind of took me like over eight months to really kind of get back and then longer than that to, to fully heal. And I remember it was difficult because you look fine, but you're not. And so did you experience yeah. stuff like that where people are like, well, she looks fine? Oh, yeah. Like my, even my immediate family really struggled to believe how bad it was. Um, I essentially almost had to do the recovery all alone because it's really hard not only like for people who haven't experienced it themselves to relate and and people who can't see it to really understand that it really is there. And it was very, very hard because it just there's no way for me to even relay how much worse it was than I was even letting off. And I I'm really good at hiding pain and like my whole thing is I usually don't show my pain. I just like to keep my issues to myself. So, I mean, at first I didn't even tell anyone. I really thought I'd be back. Like I was researching concussions. I thought I had a concussion. So I thought I'd be back in like three months at the, the latest. I was not prepared for a two and a half year road. And I'm still on that road. It's not, I'm not a hundred percent yet. So it's an everyday thing. Something I, deal with to this day every day of my life when you look back at the success you had before the accident does it feel like a whole other lifetime or even another person yeah actually it does I I had to sort of sit there on my own in bed and this sort of dark space and really I, I had a lot of time with myself and a lot of time to think through 
just the person I was and the people around me. And it gave me a lot of perspective on coming back, like how I wanted my life to be and the type of people I wanted in it. So I actually got a lot of people out of my life. And then I really focused on the type of people I wanted in my life. And honestly, it's, the, the silver lining is that I really feel like I have some incredible people in my life now. And a lot of the people that I was not cutting out of my life, but I really should have, um, are now gone. So it, it did work out in many ways for the best. Uh, the, the thing I'm still dealing with now is just getting back to the stage as a performing dancing artist because physical activity has been really challenging to come up to come back with because um it still causes pressure in my head and causes inflammation so it's just a, a matter of every day doing a little bit to move in the right direction that's amazing and I wanted to to ask you about that because I you know I've been to your concerts I've been to your shows and I actually have video of you on my iPhone like doing a handstand across the stage <laughs> dancing which I thought was amazing <laughs> at the time so uh, when you do go back to the stage like like because you are a dance artist you're an amazing performer so um, like you said is it going to be step by step and do you think it'll it'll just take a while for you to get to where you want to be and you're okay with that I have to be I don't have a choice in the matter. And I, I thought my dance career was over. Like, I really, I thought my career as a musician was over. I really, six months in, it was so bad because it got worse before it got better. Yeah. And it got worse for a while before it got better, um, for about a year before it started really going in the right direction. And so I was preparing myself for the worst and that I probably might never be back being a musician again. And I had to really think of what I, what I could do outside of music. And that was like, I was mourning the loss of basically the, my entire life that I'd worked towards. Because I, the moment I found music, that was it. That was my whole life. That was my purpose. That's why I existed. And so I had to rethink my whole existence. And that was a, a hard process, but it was one that, and in the moment, I had no choice but to be open to all other possibilities. And, um, I mean, I surprised myself. I, I even did a, a ukulele tour last year, mm-hmm. uh, which I was not physically, or didn't feel like I was physically capable of doing when I booked it, but I just set it as a goal. That whole tour was me setting goals to come back, and I didn't even know if I could play ukulele live. <laughs> so <laughs> just to put in perspective where I come in a year, and I've done a few dance videos now. Like, I can do, um, I can for music videos I can dance because then I can build in time to crash and recover. And I honestly am like from this year to last year even it's just leaps and bounds. Like I'm a whole new person this year and I really have a lot of hope for coming back to the stage as a dancing performer. But I've also just grown as a human being in general and my music's growing and I'm now just letting myself organically evolve. I'm not trying to box myself in any way. I did and, notice um, I a lot yeah, go ahead. I'm to get out of my system, I think, lyrically, that I, I want to put out. I did notice um, when I was listening to the new tracks, which, by the way, on the station that I work for, Virgin Montreal, we are playing it a lot, all of uh, all his feelings. And, oh, uh, oh, my God, like all the time. And it's so, I can't tell you how happy I am to have it back on because I, I do not shy away from saying that I'm a huge Kaiser fan. And I love when the new song came out and that we were supporting it. And 
I, I was listening back to because I think I burned a hole in my uh, copy of Sound of a Woman because I love so many of the tracks on that that album, and especially because I remember at the time asking you, you, yeah, well, I just I I know you said back at the time when we we talked like several years ago how um, you'd been influenced by some '90s da- dance acts like CC Peniston and and uh, and Martha Wash, yeah. And so when I was listening to the new stuff, even though it has like a bit of an '80s vibe going on for sure, I still feel like there's this there's this joy in you. So even though you've been through this terrible time, I still feel like the Kaiser I knew from five years ago is still there, just advanced. Is that also true, even though I know that you've said you're, you're a different person in a way? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, this album exists simply because I have been in a dark place for two and a half, nearly three years, and I want to put out positive, happy music. I, wanna, I wanted to pull myself out of this dark place, so I really avoided <laughs> pretty much all the dark tones. There's one song on the album which odes to maybe a darker place. But this album, like, from start to finish, is upbeat, positive, high energy, and it really is a cohesive sound. And um, I'm just, for me, it was like, I wanted, especially now, and timing has really worked out with everybody being locked up in isolation, really contemplating the realities. And I think, I think people are really struggling right now. I'm, I'm happy that the music I'm putting out is really uplifting and positive and hopefully helps pull some people out of this darker place that they might be in right now too. I mean, hopefully the time, timing really aligned for everyone. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. And I almost feel like you and Dua Lipa are like our disco balls right now. Like it's so <laughs> yeah, funny because my friend is producing her music um, in Toronto and like we're both super into the same sound right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's so great. And I want yeah. I wanted to ask you too with regards to um the singles all of the feelings again. That's the one that we're playing on on Virgin Montreal and I know the new one is Crave and uh, you know and listening to both of them obviously they have that 80s feel. Why is there an 80s feel? How deliberate was that of you to do that? I actually just was writing a lot of music and for whatever reason that I can't explain, I was just gravitating towards that sound and a lot of the songs I was writing just sounded 80s suddenly <laughs> so <laughs> I, had, I mean I have a tons of music and I was trying to figure out how to put it all together but I had all of these songs that sounded really retro and they're all really positive and really upbeat and really fun so um, I was just like wait why don't, we, why don't we just put all these together and make a really cohesive album of retro kind of subtle ode to the 80s but a little modern too and I, I had like 22 of them, so I don't, I had to cut down, like I cut down half, more than half of the songs that I had that were retro alone. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of music waiting to come out. Joining us on the show, Juno Award-winning artist Kaiza, and you can grab more info on all of her social media handles from Kaiza.com. You have fans all over the world, uh, but I want to know specifically about how you feel about Montreal, because we are such a dance party city, and we love supporting our Canadian artists, even though you are an international artist. How do you feel about us? Oh, I love Montreal. Honestly, on my tour when I went to Montreal, my, my North American tour, Montreal was the best show of the whole tour. Like... They were the loudest. They were the most excited. They even sold out the most tickets. I mean, like I had the biggest venue in Montreal. So I actually think some of my biggest fans are literally in Montreal. And I always am so excited to go there. And uh, I honestly am so grateful for the support coming from Montreal. 
I have to ask you this as well. I know you've written songs for uh, Rihanna and Jennifer Hudson and worked with Duran Duran and, and the list goes on, Skrillex and so forth. Is there somebody right now in mainstream pop or EDM that you would love to either write a song for or collaborate with? I mean, there's people, I guess I'm very open-minded about collaborating. A lot of my friends are big artists too. We've been discussing working together. I, I, I just did a really big collaboration that I'm excited about, which uh, I'll leave as a surprise. But let me think. I mean, I always thought it'd be really fun to work with uh, another performing artist that I could do something really fun on the performance end and the music side. So, I, I, I mean, Bruno Mars would have been a really cool collab because he's such a big performer. Um, and anyone who really falls under the performance category. But yeah, I'll, I'll put Bruno Mars. I think that would be a fun one in the sense that I just think we could do so much more than the music itself. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. Put on a full, we could put on a full performance. <laughs> that that is for sure. And explain why you decided yeah. to um, have a record label and and move in that direction. Because I know uh, it's a, it's quite the situation these days to be signed to a major label, and it feels like you've moved away. And and a lot of artists, I feel, are moving that way to really call their own shots. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, Hideaway was built up independently, and then the label came in. They really started engaging when it went number one in the UK. They started coming in earlier, but they never actually started doing anything until after, after that fact. And when they did start working, honestly, that's where things started going downhill. And it, it was this beautiful, organic indie hustle that had started actually in 2013. I was hustling nightclubs, handing out USB sticks to DJs and getting them to play it all around town. And I was really putting in a lot of effort and then making the music video, um, getting a, sort of an indie promotion team behind it. Like, there's a lot of work done. And then the label came in and they kind of came in and the work had been done for them. So they just, I think, I think what labels want is they want to collect something that's already moving, but they don't want to put any work behind it. They want to just sort of fuel a fire that's already been lit. And they, they want it all right now in the moment. They don't have long-term vision. And that's, I think, really dangerous for an artist. Because they're, they're not concerned with the long term. They're concerned with the, the short term instinct, instinct. They're just trying to grab for as much as they can. So that's why they really love a viral thing. And they can just sort of get it all really quickly. And my thing was a viral song. Yeah. And it was a song that most music labels, especially in the U.S., and that's where I might have made a mistake, is that I did a house song and house wasn't big in the U.S. The U.S. labels didn't know how to do that. So... I signed to a label who didn't even know how to work the music I was making. Right. And so when it came, like, had they been handed Hideaway before it was ever big, they wouldn't have been able to do it. So that meant moving forward, they wouldn't be able to actually do the music that I had coming well either. And that's what ended up happening. And so they ended up losing their confidence literally by the second single, like after Hideaway. And they stopped supporting me and they stopped letting me release music. Um, they were they were collecting all the income, but they were making me self fund, and so it actually became it was it became too expensive for me to be an artist on the label because I wasn't making I was making the money off of the work I was putting in, but I was paying for it, and it didn't make any sense. But they weren't promoting, they weren't actually getting behind it, they weren't doing anything. So they kind of put me in a black hole, and I just told myself that I would never ever let that happen again. I would never let people that didn't care get in the way of my art and 
get in the way of my connection to, the, to my fans and my ability to evolve, most importantly, as an artist. And that's one thing that most artists who are on major labels who want to evolve as musicians, they struggle with. Because the moment you want to evolve, that moving into the unknown and the unknown is confusing and confusion is scary and anything scary is to be avoided. So it's usually a no from a major label. Yeah, it just seems like so many artists are moving away from that. I know Jocelyn Alice has moved away from that. And I wanted to ask you actually about your fellow Canadian artists, because there's so many that are so talented, like Jocelyn, like Rhea, um, obviously Alessia Cara, you know, the list goes on and on. And I know that some of them, for example, like Jocelyn, like Virginia de Vegas, like Derek uh, Baker, who moved back, they, they were in Los Angeles and they decided to move back home to Canada. And I know that you're in Toronto. I'm not sure if you're there full time or not anymore. But what's it like? Wh- why is it important to be in Canada? Is that a good base to start from? Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I moved, yeah, I moved back to Canada from the U.S., but I still go to L.A. a lot. I have amazing friends there, and a lot of them are Canadian. Um, so I definitely put a lot of time there, and a lot of time, like, for making videos and the creative side of things. But Canada just really supports their artists as a country. They they have so many programs in place that support the arts, and it's very unique. I think it's probably one of the best in the world. So it's just really great to be part of a country that actually um, really values their artists and sees them as a priority and something that needs to be um, supported in a big way. And so I came back and I I wanted to launch a label and I've already had so much support from Canada. Um, They've made a lot of things, they've made it possible for me to be as an independent musician, releasing a, ra- a song on the radio. I mean, even just the fact that I'm able to do a radio promo campaign is all because of Canada's support. So that means a lot because that, that means that it's putting the control in my hands as an artist to develop as I want to develop as an artist. I'm not having somebody get in the way and tell me what I can and can't do. Because, and it's really hard when you create something that works and then all these people come in and tell you what to do next, but they, they're not artists. They've never done anything. <laughs> it's just, it's almost an impossible situation. So they've really just made it possible for me to be me. And that means a lot. And I'm, what I'm hoping to do with my label is to actually really help to pave the road for other artists coming up and support a lot of independent artists and really show people that you can do it independently. You don't have to sign to a major label. And I'm not saying that all major labels are bad and all situations are bad at major labels. It's just most people think that that's the only option, that that is making it. And to most, to, I'd say the majority of artists assigned to major labels that ends up being a dead road, a dead end road. So if you're lucky, it works out, but you're most like, it's most likely not to. And so if you're one of those ones that actually, one of the few that does get signed or isn't in a position to get signed, it's, it's good to know that there's all these other options, but you don't actually have to do that. You might actually be better off not doing that because as an artist being in control of your own and owning your own property, owning your own songs and masters, you then have all of this to work with and you can, you can make a lot more decisions for yourself. You can, you can give a lot more actually to the people you're working with. You have way more control of what you can do. It just takes way more work. And that's the thing that I think a lot of musicians, they just want to get up and create their music and then that's it. (laughs) So if you're not willing to do the work, it definitely becomes harder as an independent because there's a lot and it's overwhelming at times. 
I have to ask you this. I, I was uh, scrolling through your Twitter feed and I found this amazing quote that you put up there. So I want you to just explain it further for the fans. It said, spandex will always be timeless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, just, just like go back in history. Spandex have like outlived every era and they always come back. They always make a return. Anyone who puts on a pair of spandex, you're going to make somebody smile. Somebody is going to be happy because you're wearing spandex. And I sure love wearing spandex. I'll tell you that. I love <laughs> dancing in spandex. <laughs> I love all the possibilities of spandex, with all the all the prints you can put on them, all the different shapes they can be. I mean, some like most of the greatest artists in the world, like Freddie Mercury and Bowie and everybody, they've worn some form of spandex in their time. Spandex are the, the clothing of legends. Awesome. Oh my God, that's awesome. That's a good bumper sticker. Uh, Kaisa, thank you so much. It's always such a joy to have you and I, I can't wait for you to come to Montreal and hopefully we get to hang out in person again. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to see you again. That's Juno Award-winning recording artist Kaisa. You can grab all of her info and her social media handles from her website, kaisa.com. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Quite the song you're listening to, the BBC has put together some of the biggest artists from the UK and around the world on this song in support of the global effort to stay safe and stay home during the COVID-19 crisis. There are singers like Dua Lipa, Chris Martin of Coldplay, Jess Glynn, Rita Ora, Sean Paul, Ellie Goulding, Zara Larson, and the list goes on and on. Canadian recording artist Sean Desmond, who is a Juno Award-winning singer, and country musician Tebe have joined forces and created a new group called Radio Club. Their first effort is actually a remake of a popular Rick Astley song from 1987, Never Gonna Give You Up. Radio Club kept the original vibe of the song, but definitely has given it a 2020 feel with the instrumentation. about this next song. Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block wanted to do something very special as he was sitting at home self-isolating in Chicago with his wife Jenny McCarthy and he decided to call in some of his high-profile friends to help out. The song is called House Party and features New Kids on the Block, Boys to Men, Jordan Sparks from American Idol and legendary hip-hop group Naughty by Nature. Not to mention in the music video you see appearances from Mark Wahlberg, Nicole Scherzinger of the Pussycat Dolls, Jenny McCarthy, dancer Derek Huff and hip-hop group 
Kid and Play. The song is super amazing and has such a great vibe, and it's perfect for all of us sitting at home and wanting something to vibe to. All net proceeds, by the way, from people buying the song and the House Party t-shirt goes to No Kid Hungry. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Canadian country artist Sarah Wickett. Sarah has opened for artists like Bobby Mills and Wes Mack and has released her latest single, Did It For Me. Sarah, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to have you on. Now, talk to us about this music career of yours. Did it start at a very young age? Um, it did, actually. I, I've been performing um, since I was little, but singing kind of came in when I was a little bit older. So I was probably around 10 years old when I discovered I had a passion for singing. And I didn't actually know where it came from for the longest time. But uh, more recently, so my dad is adopted. Um, and more recently, we found out that we met his uh, biological mother and found out that his biological father is actually a famous jazz musician. He was a drummer. So it kind of all started making sense. Um, it kind of just runs in the family. So that was a really cool thing to find out. That is very cool. Now, I was stalking your Twitter account and yep. noticed that even though you are a country artist, you seem to have a strong affinity for some pop artists. I know recently you were tweeting about Justin Bieber's Yummy song. And so <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pick your brain about that. So you do country, but you're are you into a lot of pop music? Like, is, is Justin your man? I don't know if Justin's my man. I definitely can appreciate a great talent coming out of Toronto. But yeah, I listen to all different kinds of music. R&B, pop, country, rock. I feel like, yeah, I listen to a little bit of everything. And do you find that those, you know, different genres maybe seep in a little bit to your music? Like, are you are you influenced by that at all? Definitely. Um, I actually grew up listening to more pop and rock, and country kind of came in later on. Um, more so when Shania Twain kind of hit the scene and changed it up for a female artist. Um, but yeah, definitely the rock side is seeping through and my new song did it for me and there's a little bit of pop in there as well. Now, do you consider yourself someone who is like a, well, I don't even know how to phrase this, like a like a pure country artist or do you consider yourself like new country where there's like those pop influences that we just kind of talked about a moment ago? Um, I think more more with the pop influences with some rock as well. I want you to tell me what the first concert was that you ever went to in your entire life. Um, it was the Backstreet Boys. My dad took me, I don't even know how old I was. I ended up falling asleep because it went so late. Um, I was so excited on the subway going down to Toronto. I think I just tired myself out and I don't know how long the concert went to, but he said by 11 PM, which was really late for a young kid, I was conked out and yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Very good. Now I've seen you with a guitar. Is that your instrument of choice or do you play other instruments as well? Um, that is my instrument of choice. I actually took guitar lessons in high school, and that's when I kind of picked that up. I do dabble in a little bit of piano um, to practice and kind of do scales and things like that. Um, and I was doing a little bit of vocal teaching, so I'll play the piano sometimes. But for writing and um, playing and performing, the guitar is what I use. Do you find that when you're writing you have to kind of be living your life and going through things or can you just kind of sit there and like think about a subject and write about it? Um, I think it's definitely easier for me to write about things that I'm going through. 
I actually just recently started writing a song for a friend and we are in completely different situations right now. And I've, I've been writing it for the past couple of months. It's been really, really difficult, but I find when she expresses how she's feeling towards me and I can really kind of feel what she's feeling, it makes it a lot easier, but it's definitely harder to write about a situation you're not going through. Do you find that your family is very supportive of what you're going after, chasing your dream? I know you mentioned your father before took you to the Backstreet Boys, so I'm just wondering if like there is a, a huge support system there. Yes, absolutely. They're uh, very, very supportive. They're great. I couldn't ask for more supportive parents, honestly. And have you put in place, like, you know, certain artists I know are, there is no other choice. Like, they are going to be an artist, whether they become, like, the next Beyonce or not. And so, and I know some other ones have kind of plan Bs. Do you have a plan B or is this it? I don't like to think of a plan B because I feel like you should only have a plan A. Yeah, I, I can't even picture myself not being in music or doing music to some extent. Um, I would love to just be able to make a living off of it. I've considered if this doesn't work out, which hopefully it does, I would be teaching or something having to do with music still. Totally understand that. I can't imagine my life without radio, so I get that. Joining us on the show is uh, Canadian country artist Sarah Wickett. You can learn more about her and, of course, grab all of her social media handles at sarahwickett.com. So let's talk about the latest track, Did It For Me. What's it about, and was it like an easy song to write and record? It was easy to write and record. So for the past year or two, I've been kind of struggling a little bit with finding my sound and what I want my music to say. Last year, I was working with a few producers who I liked what we were doing, but I didn't love it. And just what we were doing ended up taking a long time. And so um, I got to a point where I was just really frustrated with myself and people around me. So I took a trip to Nashville last fall, actually, and I performed at some writer's rounds for the first time, spoke to a lot of musicians there and industry people, and I was so inspired, and it really, really opened my eyes. So when I went back home, I knew I needed to do something different. So that's kind of where this song came from. I had to make a decision that would kind of burn some bridges, but I needed to move on in order to be kind of excited about music again. So I started working with Mark Schroer, who produced the song, and we started it in December, the beginning of December, and I told him I needed it done by the end of December because I was just going crazy, not having any music to release that I really, really loved. So I actually co-wrote it with um, an, another up-and-coming artist. Her name's Robin Adelini, and she's, she's so good. Um, we just clicked really well together. We wrote it within a couple hours, and then it was recorded and done by the end of December, which was a nice Christmas gift. That's really cool. Now, mm-hmm. what is up next for you? You know, this song is out. Are you going to be doing a lot of promotion for it? Uh, you know, do you feel like you've got, you know, many albums coming our way at some point? Yeah, I have. Today's actually my press day, so I have a ton of interviews that I'm doing today. Lots of exciting things happening that I can't talk about just yet, but definitely doing some performances. Yeah, there's a lot coming in 2020. There's new music going to be coming all year. Um, After Did It For Me is out, the new music isn't going to stop coming out. So I'm really, really excited. I wanted your take on this, especially because you're in the the country format. I know that uh, over the last while, there's been a fair amount of concern at uh, 
especially American radio, and it might be, you know, in Canada here as well with regards to country, but that they're not fully supporting women equally, like women artists versus the male artists. So I'm just wondering, Mm -hmm. like, is that a concern for you? Do you think it's headed in the right direction? I think there's been some good talk about it, and um, I've noticed some stations tweeting and posting that they are going to be making some changes, and I think the bigger female artists have really done a good job at trying to preach that we need more females on our radios. Um, I am taking the song to radio, so that is definitely something I've thought about, but, you know, I'm still going to go for it, and I'm, I'm excited to be a female on, on Canadian country radio. And with regards to Canadian music in general, what's your thoughts on the industry? Because it obviously, you know, the country is large, but it feels like the industry is small. So what are your thoughts on it? And do you have like some Canadian artists that you really enjoy uh, listening to? Yeah, I definitely feel like we're a small community um, when it comes to the country genre. Some of my favorite artists are our Canadian country girls, um, Megan Patrick, Madeline Maloka, Isabella, Mackenzie Porter, they're all so inspiring and so amazing. Um, and I also really, really look up to the up-and-coming artists as well, like my peers, Robin Adelini. Um, There's a lot of really great up-and-coming artists coming out of Ontario, Canada right now. For people who are listening overseas right now, because we do have, uh, you know, broadcasting over there. And so I'm just wondering, like, for people who might not know about Sarah Wicket yet, what do you want them to know about you? This year is going to be a big year, and I hope to bring some edge to country music, something a little bit different. Yeah, and I also hope to take my music overseas as well at some point. Perfect. Sarah, thank you for this. It's been really great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. It's been really nice to talk to you. That's Canadian country artist Sarah Wicket. You can follow her and grab all of her social media handles off of her website, sarahwicket.com. Here's a look at what's happening in music and entertainment. Mel C. of the Spice Girls has opened up about her time in the band and said in those early days it was a rough ride because of their intense fame and the pressures being put on the girls. Mel C. obviously loves being a Spice Girl, but looking back at some of those moments has been tough on her. Mel C., by the way, very happy with her latest single, who I am, but has chosen to hold off releasing her eighth solo album for the time being because of everything that is going on in the world. The Killers have delayed their UK and Ireland tour until 2021 and are also reworking the schedule when it comes to releasing their album, Imploding the Mirage. Their album was supposed to drop this spring, but it looks like it's going to be pushed back as well to 2021. And Alanis Morissette has dropped a new single off her upcoming album. The song is called Diagnosis and is about her postpartum depression and mental health struggles that she's been through. Her new album is called Such Pretty Forks in the Road and is her first new album since 2012's Havoc and Bright Lights. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And a huge shout out to our guests, Kaiza and Sarah Wicket. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being an amazing producer. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.